You are listening to the Startup Playground. Show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders, and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes, and hear about their interesting experiences. Hey, listener, this is your host, Elvis, and I hope you haven't unpacked your travel bags because we are going to a place which press have shaded in very dark colors. What media have told us about this country is a country which nuclear weapons, military parades, and Kim Jong-un. Therefore, I have decided to invite someone who has been there already 10 times and is here to tell us about this isolated country. Have media been hiding something from us? Let's find out. The person who I have hosted today on this episode is Jonas Bang Anderson founder of Above Borders, the travel agency that gives you access to the world's most isolated countries from a whole new angle. And most importantly, one of the life's experiences that you will never forget. To be honest with you, I'm really excited to invite Jonas to join the conversation and bring us away to a place full of secrets. Hey Jonas! Hey Elvis! How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. And I thank you for the kind, kind words. I think it was an awesome introduction. I mean, you deserve that, Jonas. For all the job and everything they have read online, you know, you, you pretty, pretty deserve it. Oh, thank I, you. It's hard to be so humble now because you are getting my self-ego so high. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. What does it mean to you? Uh, entrepreneurship, uh, to me, is a very broad term or... I think it can be so many different ways of being an entrepreneur. To me personally, it's really chasing someone uh, like a goal or a dream you have for yourself, but you can also do it at the same time in your own way. So for me, it's a lot about like when I wake up in the morning, I cannot like wait to get out of bed because I want to keep chasing what I'm chasing. And right now, or which has been since About Borders was founded, is to open up the real world. And I think that's really a mission that I'm proud of every morning that I wake up. So that's entrepreneurship to me. On the other hand, I think also my father, he had his own supermarket, right? And in my uh, mind, he's also an entrepreneur, but in a totally different way. He did not like invent a new tech or build a new platform, but he is like, has a supermarket. He buys stuff and sells stuff. And that's actually a beautiful form of entrepreneurship itself because you create something which also helps people. Uh, like, and that's the way it was to get food. So, yeah, that's entrepreneurship, I think. So. <laughs> so so would you say that your father was also an entrepreneur, you know, was selling and buying stuff for his shop? Uh, yeah, well, but a different kind of entrepreneur, but he did buy his own supermarket right, at some point, and he did start his own business. And for me, entrepreneurship is not necessarily making a new uh, world-changing tech or finding a new cure. For me, entrepreneurship is having your own business and you are the one responsible for what is going on in that business or you and the founding team is responsible and he's doing it with my uncle and they have been like real supermarket owners for 30 years now and I think it's really impressive. So would you say that you know this because you said your father was selling and buying stuff he bought his own supermarket would you say that you know it's embedded in your also DNA to become self-employed person? Yeah I definitely think so like for a long time I thought that I would 
I don't know if I always thought that I would be self-employed, but I always knew at some point that I would have some responsibility. So it could also be in another person's company or like a big corporation, but then it would have been in a like responsible for the team which is going on. Also because I'm kind of person who gets all sorts of weird ideas also sometimes, and it's nice to have someone who can execute on. I'm also executing, but if you're five people executing the same idea instead of only one, then it often happens faster, right? And there are some people better at executing than I am. Yeah, I mean, team, I, I, I think you mentioned team, right? Mm-hmm. Through the, your words, I understood the team of five people. Team is really important when you're building the business. And then that's one thing that I'm lacking with, you know, right? Really finding the team. I yeah. have some people who is helping me on the side. But, you know, if they are part of the team, like, you know. Yeah, it's the thing. If they also feel the same responsibility, yeah. then... Yeah. Will, they will not just be assisting you, but they yeah. will actually also create stuff themselves. Yes. And that's where you really see some... If and you have a team following the same vision, it's amazing when they create new things within that vision. Yeah. It's nice when somebody creates some things for you. Not only you think and you're like, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this. You know? mm. That's not really any work. I want a person who comes to me, even though, you know, I'm the founder or co-founder of the company. Tells me like, hey, you know, I come up with this thing. You mm. know, what do you think? You know, or I created this content. You know, what do you think? Yeah. I think that's really how it should be. Exactly, because if you just needed an employee to do dirty tasks, then you can get anyone, right? But if of you course. want a really partner of your team, and then that's also where the team will progress. So I agree. Yeah. You know, recently I decided to implement something new called uh, entrepreneurial rules. I have noticed that, you know, all of entrepreneurs and personally myself, we are following some unwritten rules, you know. Yeah. Therefore, I kind of wanted to ask you, what are some rules that you maybe follow? Yeah, for me personally, I really don't like rules, but there are some um, like guidance. I think that's the same uh, what you mean, actually. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, they especially doing like the last year more and more are focused on we have to do an impact right we cannot just be in the business for just making money if you say that out loud now as being an entrepreneur you'll be like oh i would just here for the money right then you could do some different things and i think that's both really beautiful but also we have to be aware that if you're not making money at some point then the business will not continue right and then it doesn't matter how much impact you make for six months if your business will die after that that is one entrepreneurial and that's also one I follow myself. Like above Boris is not just a travel company. We actually want to do an impact. We actually want to make a difference. But if we didn't sell our tours and if people didn't join and we didn't profit from them, then how could we make an impact, right? Then we would die in two months and I wouldn't be able to pay my rent. So I think it's okay also to say that you want to earn some money. But that being said, the hourly wage split out is really, really bad, especially in the beginning. And still is, right, after one year. Another rule is also a lot of people say you have to put in the hours. If you're not working 12 hours a day, then you won't be progressing. But actually, people are more and more turning to you have to be like healthy also. And that's really the first six months after we founded Above Borders, I gained like a lot of weight. I did not sleep. uh, Well, a lot of weight in six months. It's not like it was maybe just a few kilo, but it was too much compared to how much time it was. I stopped playing badminton as I usually did like two times a week. And that was because I convinced myself that I needed to put all these hours in the business. And there are some truth to it that you need to put a lot of hours or like you need to, but it doesn't work if you're not healthy at the same time, right? Because after two weeks with no sleep, you will not be productive anyway, no matter how many hours you put into it. 
that I also think is an important rule not to follow. Like, well, please be aware that it's hard work, but you need to be stable mentally and physically. And well-rested. And well-rested, exactly. That's one thing I don't follow. You're not well-rested right now? Or... I am. No, no, I'm, I'm technically, you know, because I'm, I'm one more person I really want to make impact. And, you know, it's kind of mm. like uh, one of the persons, Helena Levison yeah. uh, from uh, CPH UX. One day we spoke and then she said that, you know, entrepreneurship is really addictive. You know, yeah. it's like a passive drug. I kind of believed it, but now recently I experienced myself because it's, it's really addictive. Yeah. It's not like I'm addicted to likes or, you know, reactions or things. I'm really addicted, uh, personally, yesterday also, to things such as um, if somebody says thank you. Sometimes, you know, during uh, our um, entrepreneurial journey, there are a lot of people who help us do along the way. But we forgot to say thank you to them, you know. Yeah. Thank you is like, what, two words. But, you know, it means more than a thousand words yeah. in some cases. Yeah, I agree. So she sent me those things, and then I read it. Because this is really addictive, you know. Entrepreneurship yeah. is really addictive if you really care about your, you know. Product or service. Product or, whatever. or service, whatever. Exactly. And that's also, then in the evening you would be like, oh, I, just, I just want to do this before I go to sleep. And then it up takes two hours. And when you wake up during the night, you're like, oh, I have another great idea. So therefore, like rest is often one of the factors which you, oh, I can sleep later, right? Because you cannot help it. But that's also so beautiful about entrepreneurship in my mind. Like, that's truly, that's truly. What could you tell me more about yourself, you know, like yeah. personal life goals? First of all, I come from a small town called Bonesø at Fyn, like the middle island uh, of Denmark. Then I played a lot of badminton, uh, moved to Jylland to went on the sports school, uh, wanting to be the world's best badminton player, right? After some time, I found out that I was not going to be the world's best badminton player and wanted to do something different. So I moved to Germany for one year, lived in Berlin, where I actually first time experienced a country which has been split, now reunited, but still a lot of differences. Here, I also found out that, okay, my life in Denmark in the badminton club, right, is not everything. Then I moved to Copenhagen to study finance because at that time, I thought that I should be the director of a big Scandinavian bank because there would be a lot of money, right? So finance and banking, that should be the best way to go. Yeah, so during my education, I went one semester abroad to South Korea and then came back to Copenhagen. I'll tell more about that semester in Korea later. But um, now I found out that money is not everything. And actually, what is really important to me and the, like, what you say about personal life goals is to be happy. And I know it's so like, yeah, everyone wants to be happy, right? And it's not a state you can just be in. And it's very different from person to person. For me, to be happy is when I know that I'm having fun. Like, this fun part is really important. Fun in both, like, it's fun to learn. It's very interesting to do new things. It's fun to solve a complicated problem. But also fun to hang out with my friends and to meet my family in the weekends. And then the second part of the being happy is that I really care about my family and friends' well-being. Like, and I often really bad at telling them, but yeah, they are really like people around me is really important to my happiness. So you enjoy the process, definitely. Like um, the money is not the deciding factor why really you are into this entrepreneurship, but really you're enjoying the process of learning things, yes, adapting to the situations, all that kind of stuff. Because that's when working in the bank, I also learned stuff, but it was like I worked as many other people from paycheck to paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that was nice, but I did not wake up early in the morning on Monday morning and was like, "Woo, I'm going to my job today, right? But I do that now even on Sunday mornings. And that is what I really think is uh, worth, like, 
that that's when you do that then you found something that you should do right and that's a part of like being happy or well contributing to this but also as i started saying money is important because i could not keep waking up sunday morning to do something that i really love to do if it didn't profit in some way so it's not for the money i'm in this business it's for the process but the process will be really tough if you don't any, earn any money of course it's always like that yes <laughs> and it's like as you know we already talked about this we don't earn any money in the beginning or and there will probably be a lot a long time before that to be honest well we are on this subject well you know money and everything you know i think yesterday if i wasn't mistaken because you know i sign up on different social networks in different times of the year but yesterday i think was the day when sweetcast media actually got one year congratulations man. and i haven't earned a single dime yet yep. but you know but I'm, you're having fun right i'm that? enjoying the process i'm enjoying the the knowledge sharing and then gaining the knowledge i can see self personal development also yeah. you know and going all these things it's never easy you know True. as in many startups and and many entrepreneurial they say that you know in the first couple of years you're not going to earn nothing no. because you know you have to be out there and people have to start trusting you Agreed. you know and you get some experience and, some and you get some experience knowledge. and then you have some maybe some mistakes and you'll learn from them it's it's i'm in for a journey yeah. and i'm in for the same thing as you said in the first part mm. the process and then at the same time there's other ways to self finance you right you can take a side job or i started biking uh, instead of like taking the subway every time because then i like didn't need so much money right and that's some hacks you can do to not need like then you'll be going even further right? um and that's where the process is really fun right where you can see okay i can keep doing this keep doing this so it's awesome at least congratulations on one year birthday I've, that's huge right know, a lot of yeah. startups don't last for one year yeah yeah i know I, i also have read that thing but but it's just i'm 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 enjoying the process i'm going for it and i'm just like let's try let's do yeah. let's try let's see what the worst thing that can happen you know yeah i can just lose a startup and that's it i haven't invested any you know i invested in equipment and all that kind of stuff so and i'm enjoying i mean i'm not earning i'm not laundering money yeah. or whatever <laughs> else moving on a little bit what was your driving force of basically becoming an entrepreneur yeah it's very well connected to this uh, my life goal of having fun not fun as sitting and laughing all day just to everyone are clear about that But I remember one time when I came home to Denmark after a tour and I was still working in the bank and that day I headed to the job right and I was still super high from all the experiences gained came to the office and then my colleagues was like hey yeah was it a good tour and I was ready to talk about for four hours about this right if they kept asking I was like yeah it was amazing and they were like okay cool here's your excel sheet like and then I sat there for eight hours and there I really realized okay for the long run actually at that point it was really fun working in the bank because it was my student job and i was also studying and i did these tours but at that time i realized for the long run i cannot be working in the bank for 40 years from 8 to 7 right or every day how many hours it was going to be so the driving force was that i needed to have more fun and that i needed to do an impact because when i was in that bank i was just a really small puzzle in a very a small brick in a very big puzzle and why should i be there right like the business would probably be keep going without me but with having an entrepreneurship as i started saying it's also a way that you can actually make a difference 
So the reason for you becoming an entrepreneur is because you want to make an impact. The number one reason is because it was to have fun. To have fun. Yeah. yeah. But I want to make a difference. Like we all do. Yeah, exactly. Like all entrepreneurs say, we want to make a difference. But actually to me, and that's a bit selfish said, to me that's secondary. But it is important that I kind of like leave my mark. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that, right? But uh, in 40 years, I want to be able to say that, hey, Above Borders actually changed the world in some way. But that can also be in many ways. Maybe you already have heard, you know, that before I visit the founders, which this time is you, Jonas, I do some, let's call it as it is, I stalk them, you know. I heard, I heard. And you are no exception. But I feel like, you know, what I'm about to say to you right now, you already have heard before. The work you do is not something that every would have the courage to do. And you have, I think, heard that million, million times. What I am talking about is the way you open the, the real world about the countries that have been hidden from us for years, I would say, you know, yeah. because as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, the things that I mentioned about the countries that we're going to now speak, the things that we only know, the people who read media, that's yeah. all we know, right? And I believe that thanks to you, more people will know the truth about those countries. So talking about that... Uh, Impact making in 40 years, you want to leave a mark and change the world. I guess you're already starting leaving your footprints, definitely. I appreciate the, that. Basic, based on your LinkedIn profile. So <laughs> based I have, on what I write on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I have nothing, you know, questions to ask, only, you know, gratitude for the things you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. And now I would like to kind of go into talking about the business, yeah. you know, because we spoke a little bit, you yeah. know, but the, the listeners maybe haven't really understood what we are we really speaking about. True. So now I would like to hear what is above borders actually. Yeah. And what makes this travel agency so special? Yeah. Really simple. Above Borders is a travel company and we arrange tours and sell them. But what we do is we arrange tours to the world's most isolated countries, which right now includes North Korea and Turkmenistan. And one thing is that they are isolated, but also, especially a country like North Korea, you hear a lot about the country, but it's always about nuclear weapons, uh, military people, or Kim Jong-un, who did something new, like funny in the media's eyes, right? And there are live 25 million people in the country, in the country North Korea, and in Turkmenistan, 5 million people, but so many people who also have an everyday life, and they, everyone has a story to tell. And some way, if you like the society or not, they make their living in this country. And that is really interesting to explore this as you, like, you don't have any way to do it. Like you cannot write them on their social media profile and, hey, how is life in North Korea? Because they don't have any internet access. So if you want to explore the country and really understand the culture there, how the people is everyday life, if you have to travel there. And if you travel with above borders, we ensure that you'll meet people and understand and learn about the country. So that's what we do. <laughs> that, 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 no, no, I, I, I totally agree. Yes, I have read the same thing, but I guess the listeners has to also understand. Mm. And it's better to, that they understand and hear from you, the person who has actually been there. I mean, for people who haven't been there, mm. it's just a country with borders. Exactly, and like people think you can't even travel there. Like that's sometimes. the thing, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like the country with such a huge population yeah. that, you know, it's locked. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough. I will, I will say it's tough. If I was there, I was, with no internet and no access mm. with the outside world, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, and that's how they make the living. And they are basically, like, it's always hard to define if they're happy or not, right? Mm -hmm. But I have this saying, like, if you're unknowingly happy, if you don't know how it is to have Facebook, like, you won't be unhappy with not having a social media channel. Like, 
So it's very interesting to talk with them. Like, what do they actually say about this? And that is also what, like, should we talk about what makes us different from other travel companies? Because that's the the thing we actually want to ensure that when people travel with us, they are not just doing it for, like, not doing for the gram. They actually have to learn something and they actually need to understand there are more sides to the story. And there's not one truth. So also when, if someone asks me, what do you think about North Korea? I always try to say, like, what do you think? And then I answer the opposite to, like, because there is some, some way in between. There is the truth. I think so. Personally, me, when I opened your page, I got stuck on it. Yeah. And not because of network or hardware or latency or whatever, but because of the blog section. Yeah. And what I have to say is, wow. Thank you. Wow. Seriously. The way you explain and also your LinkedIn profile that's, you know, every listener who is currently listening has to go there and, <laughs> and read and read and read and read. It's like when I was reading and thinking, it's like I felt like it's book worthy. I mean, if somebody actually wrote the book, it would be completely different experience, you know, and, and, and people would think completely different and talk different things about North Korea and every that part of the country that's being locked. Thank you. Elish. It's like Tibet. <laughs> Yeah. It's like Tibet that nobody mm. ever have seen, somebody have seen, and that's it. And then, yeah. you know, what we see in the movies, that's all we know. What Brad Pitt or whatever, yeah. who was in Tibet. And then one journalist being there, but on a very strict rule, because he has to follow, because he's a journalist. And then he will say, oh, I, well, everyone is only allowed to see this, but it's because he was a journalist. And they often also have a hidden agenda to sell more articles or get more clicks. That's true, yeah. But thank you, like, because that's really one... One thing is like having people travel with us and to see it for themselves, but we cannot bring everyone at least not at once. So in the meantime, we can tell the stories we explored ourselves. Have you thought about recording that in audio format, like such a podcast? Yeah, we have actually. Fun thing that tell me about it. Yeah, we really want to do a travel podcast where we tell these like personal travel experiences. We're still struggling a bit with the format, right? but the point should be that me and someone who joined the tour talk about something that we experienced together. It can also be two other people in case that I was not on that specific tour, if it was for another country. So topics could be uh, the first time we crossed the North Korean border or that time we saw Marshall Kim Jong-un because we actually saw him once, um, which was intense. It could also be uh, that time we tasted Russian vodka or that time we overnighted near the gates to hell in Turkmenistan. So. Because those stories are not like, when was this built or what's the history of the country? But it is, what did you see? What did you experience? What did you feel when you had this experience? And that is what I think is in the end making you yeah, smarter or like clever about the culture and the uh, origin of the country. I totally agree with you, Jonas. So, I totally agree. <laughs> yes. So let's hope we can make a podcast one day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's connect with me and then I'll make a podcast. Will, yeah, now I saw how the microphones work, right? So. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, then I, and then I went, you know, because when I got stuck on the page, then I went through the pages and then, you know, I wanted to get curious what programs or travel mm-hmm. tours we actually offer, yeah? And I saw all these great group trips that Above Borders offer. Therefore, I wanted to ask you, maybe you can tell me where and what trips, you know. The destinations we have right now are North Korea and Turkmenistan. And we want to do each tour a bit variated for like having a theme on that tour. Uh, for Turkmenistan right now, it's we have one like regular tour and then we will join a festival in March, like a, like a local holi- national holiday. For the North Korean tours right now, we have 
for eksempel New Year's Tour, uh, we did a bike tour last week, where we actually biked on routes that no one has ever biked before. In April, we'll do a marathon tour. We also have a budget tour, which is like one day shorter, and we'll sleep on like less luxurious hotels in North Korea. We want to visit a film festival. We're also right now talking about doing a hiking tour in summer, but that's not on the webpage yet. But something like that. So every... Oh, and the ski tour, of course, in February. <laughs> so you can actually... What you are interested in combined with an isolated country, because then you can understand that this country also provides this in some way. So for the ski tour, which is like our next big thing and first time, we will visit the ski resort where I don't know any Danish people who have been there. There probably has been some. And we will at the same time also bring ski instructors to ensure that they will not only learn about North Korea, but also learn how to ski if people want that. If they already can do, they can just go crazy on the mountains of North Korea. So hopefully in that way, we can also attract other types of customers, right? Because not everyone wants to run a marathon in North Korea, but I hope that people after listening to this podcast and, you know, actually going and accessing above borders pages and reading about it, they will have more positive, you know, thing because, you know, it's kind of like, well, as I spoke with the previous entrepreneur, Melina Mustakas, she also said that, you know, she, at some point she stopped reading a news and I do the same, yeah. that, you know, when I read news, I don't have nothing good to say about nope. it. I mean, it's like, you know, everything that they write is like to, just to make us worry about things. You're like, yeah. come on. Yes, there are other rule regulations now in Denmark with, you know, holiday money and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, come on. This country still provides you more than other countries can provide you. Mm. So, I mean, if you have a bad life, then do something about it. Yeah. That's it, you know. And one weird thing about, like, the news, because it's not only about, like, isolated countries. One time I was in China. I turned on BBC and there was this news story about Denmark, like how you could not stay in Copenhagen this time because it was so dangerous at Nørrebro, everyone got shot, right? And I was like, no, like, no, they don't. But it was broadcast to one billion people in China, at least, right? Yeah, you really have to be aware of your reading. And that's also, that being said, also be aware, like, when I write something, I, I'm also just one source, right? You always need to combine everything you read and learn, but... Just not take every news article for good. Yes, that's true. If I had to choose one trip that uh, best shows North Korea, for example, let's yeah. say I want to go to North Korea, right? Yeah. And you are the tour agent right now. Yeah. Uh, which uh, trip would you best recommend for me to see, you know, and feel the taste of mm. North Korea? Uh, first of all, my recommendation would definitely be about Boros, <laughs> not another travel company, right? No, no, I, I, no, no, I, I, I'm uh, asking no, I, you yeah, from your it, programs. It, it was also a joke. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the tour we did last week, the bike tour, we, we really saw places in North Korea where I would say this is the real North Korea, right? That since my first tour in 2015, where I was there as a tourist, everyone has said to me, oh, but you can only see what they want you to show, see, right? So I had been struggling with this. Okay, so what is it that you want to see? Like, let me try if I can arrange that. And a lot of people said, oh, the countryside, and we want to see small villages. We want to see other cities than Pyongyang. And on the tour last week, which we will arrange again next year, we visited four different cities. We biked through a small village, like one kilometer. And it looked like the people in this village, they never saw any tourists before. And they were like running out of the houses, waving to us and smiling. And some older people were also like looking very angry at us. I don't know why. And this experience, it was really like, okay, this is not set up. Also because they did not want us to take any pictures of it. So it was like, 
this is really people's life on the countryside of North Korea. Obviously, they were not rich, right? Uh, but they were still making a living. And I think there are so many countries around the world where they are not rich, but people are making a living. So I would recommend to you, Elvis, if you don't mind biking, you should do a, the bike tour. I love biking. Great. I really love biking. And, and biking in North Korea, come on. Because at the same time, the nature in North Korea, I, actually, this was my 10th tour, but it was the first time really going to the mountains because we had like the steepest was 17th degrees uphill. And there on the top of that mountain, like the view, and we also biked near a waterfall where, yeah, we were in this um, valley, right, with a waterfall, and we had our picnic lunch there. So insane. But you can also experience nature in other ways, and we'll probably do that on the hiking tour if you prefer walking instead of biking. No, no, biking. biking you are sold me. Where do I <laughs> sign now? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, for the bike tour, hopefully next week you can register. But let's see. Let's see. I will keep in touch definitely with you. <laughs> Good. I do have one thing that I didn't understand why yeah. and what was really happening because, you know, you offer your page in Danish and English, right? Yeah. I didn't check the Danish version, but, you know, as English-speaking person, I checked the English person. When I went until un under group tours tab, it shows the drop-down menu, you know? Yeah. And it shows the skiing trips in North Korea that you just told me about. But when I go in overall page of tours offered, It doesn't show there anymore. No. It kind of opens a different page. So I thought maybe to ask you, you know, maybe yeah. you have something to say about it. Yeah, well, I would wish that I had a better answer than it's a mistake. Right? And it's because we lately we tried. When Above Borders was founded, we only targeted Danish-speaking people. But the vision has all the time been that we want to bring more people, not only from Denmark. So we started translating into English and like the first few pages and the first few blog posts. And then... When we update one page, sometimes I forget, or well, often I forget to update the English one because I sit and look at the Danish one all the time. And I think it's so uh, frustrating to then hear. I, I'm really glad you tell me because that would be the first thing fixing tomorrow. Hopefully when someone listens to this podcast, they cannot find the problem. But the thing is that we have not been focusing enough on having the English page updated, right? So when suddenly an English-speaking person goes in, he will like not be able to navigate properly around. So yeah, it's a mistake. No, no, it's not a mistake. It's just in the process. Yeah, it's exactly. But then we should probably just have like on the page in English say in progress. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't even have that. It's okay. You know, it's we all are humans. We make mistakes. So you know, let's live with it. True. Come on. Yeah, and I will ensure to translate everything as fast as possible. I didn't ask you how old is the startup. We above borders was officially founded last year July, so fourteen month fifth. So it's pretty. So it's pretty new. Yeah, but the thing is that before that, my first tour to North Korea was in fifteen, four years ago. There I went as tourists, while I was doing my exchange semester in South Korea that I mentioned briefly. On this tour, I was like, "Whoa, North Korea is as I have explained so far from what I could have imagined or like have heard or read." So on the way back, I talked with that travel company, which is based in Hong Kong. So I said, hey, can I go again? And we're like, yeah, sure. And I was like, but can I go again uh, without charge? Like if I bring other people and I'm like, okay, yeah, if you find some Danish people to go, then you can be like the tour leader for them. And it took me one year to find eight people, right? But it's also a side thing. And I wouldn't like, I still had to pay my own flight ticket and stuff like that. But then I went again as a tour leader and then, After that, I was like, okay, whoa, can I go again? And I was like, yeah, sure, if you find enough people. 
And then it took me one and a half year to find six more, right? Because there was some problems with nuclear testing and American guy who stole a poster. And I, it was difficult to market trust to North Korea, especially when at that time I wasn't that experienced, right? I only been there twice. But then April last year, April 18, uh, I went on the third tour. And on that tour, we got our own partner in North Korea and uh, then officially founded Above Borders in July because in July, the rules for having a travel company in Denmark changed. So it was possible before that we needed to like have a deposit of 300,000 Danish kroner or something, like something I didn't have as a student. So Above Borders is new, but my first trip to North Korea is actually like four years old. Okay. I mean... I can feel it by the pages and the things that you write that, you know, it's been older than one year, definitely. The, the startup mm -hmm. and your experiences with North Korea, it's, it's much older than one year. But you've been doing a lot of job, I guess. Yeah, well, I was also promoting, right, like North Korean tours before Above Borders was founded. So it was like the first customers with Above Borders was actually signed up for a tour with the Hong Kong company, if that makes sense. But then I, like... Of course, they wanted to travel with me at that time as a tour leader, not with some Chinese persons. So therefore, the first customers were actually like before Above Borders was founded officially. We call it North Korea 360 that time. Yeah, I, I, I read on your LinkedIn page yeah. and something like that. Yeah, it's because all the way around North Korea was the point. And then someone sometimes once asked me, but Jonas, are there not 365 days in a year? I was like, yeah, but that's not the point. So good thing that we changed the name, right? <laughs> That's true. Is there any other travel uh, agency that does the trips the way you do? In Denmark, no. There are one travel company in Denmark saying they can arrange it. So if you are a group, contact them, then they can arrange it. They don't have official dates. There are a few companies, well, four tour operators like in the world who has a direct contact or maybe a few more, six, I don't know exactly. But... Um, In my mind, they do not do the exact same thing as we do because they have, first of all, international groups. We have primarily Danish-speaking groups. We also want to do international groups soon. And then uh, they do the more standard tour, right? Where we try that every tour is something different from the other one. And they have bigger groups than we have. So our maximum is usually 15, where they usually don't send it, start the tour unless there are 15, right? And we believe that because if... You come 20 people inside a classroom with 13-year-old students, they would be so afraid of you. Like, not afraid, but like they wouldn't feel comfortable in talking to you. So if you only are 10 or 12 or maximum 15 people, then we actually get the possibility to get this real interaction as you want. I think that's what makes you special and different from, you know, all other travel agencies. Mm -hmm. You get this uh, intimate contact or this contact with, you know... Yeah. Because that's when I travel myself personally, you know. That's why I don't go to tour agencies yeah. or travel agencies. Or group tours in general, right? Yeah, and group tours in general. Mm. Because I really, when I travel, I mean, of course, in the past, I was traveling with parents. And then we go for, you know, these group tours and that kind of stuff. You, like, they pick you up and they take the point yeah, like A. Like one day tour. Yes. Yeah. I kind of don't like it. Because when I travel to a country, I want to feel mm. the country. Yeah. Literally, I want to experience the things that actually the people living there yeah. live. The same as when people come visit me in Denmark. I don't show them like Little Mermaid and all that kind of stuff. I'm just showing them the reality that a real Danish person, I'm not saying I'm Danish, but you know, the reality Close that enough. <laughs> this person in this country lives. Yeah. Not this monument, this monument, this monument. I mean, yes, we all know how the monuments look. Yeah. We can Google it up. 
But exactly. what is the real, you know, sauce and uh, ingredients of uh, this country? And that's what I like about about borders that you know you go really into this yeah, because that's the if someone visits you in Denmark and then they came came home and said, "Oh, so Denmark is all about the little mermaid." And I lived in Copenhagen two years before I actually saw the little mermaid. So also a bit weird from my side, but that is not how Danish people live, right? So I really agree, but the difficulty about that is also that our tours um, cost more, right? Because logically you can charge less if you had 20 instead of 10 in a group. Or the profit margin would at least be higher. But how do you then convince someone, hey, you will actually meet people and yeah, and then they say, well, I can go to the same country for half the price with this travel company. I'm like, yeah, but it's not the same tour you will have, but it's the same country. Well, yeah. So some people don't understand. No, and say, that's fine. Like, yeah. How did you come up with this business idea? I mean, you yeah. told me that you traveled the first time in 15 years and yeah. everything. Is, was was that the the way that you kind of came up that the world actually needs to see this world? Yeah, yeah. You can say that because on that first tour when I was like, I wanted to go back, but it was also because I wanted to show other people that hey, this is what happened there, right? Or, this is what I saw and experienced. And therefore, like the idea to make above borders, to found above borders, the idea came when we had our contact, right? But before that, I already knew that, oh, it could be really cool if we could do this ourselves instead of doing it through a Hong Kong-based travel company. No, nothing bad against them. They are really cool, actually. If you want to travel to other destinations we don't have, choose them. But um, so the idea came when we had our contact the wanting or the wishing for uh, spreading the message came after the first tour or not like spread the message but explain people that the world is much bigger than you actually experience because that's what i saw myself right so when we came home from that first tour or when i came home to denmark after my exchange semester in south korea i told my father all about like the tour and he was like oh you want all your friends and family in in my small hometown they said But they also want to hear it. So can we just rent a classroom at the school and then like we'll invite them. And then instead of you have to tell them all the time, right? Three hours every time I meet a new person because I could talk for three hours at the time. Still can. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> um, but then my father, he was like started inviting him because it's such a small village. It ended up coming like more than 100 people to this thing. So I actually also realized, well, people are interested in this. So I did this presentation One guy among the audience asked if I could come and do another presentation. And that's where I realized that what people are interested in is not when the this country founded or like established, when, how many people live in the country, what they were interested in, what did you see, experience and feel. And that's why also the tours are based so much on to get these experiences, right? And to feel something you don't feel normally. I guess it's just because of, you know, the media lockdown that, you know, media have kind of created this image and you're like, hey, you know, this is a bad country, you know, don't go there, you know, you're going to get killed. Don't. Come on. It's a country full of secrets. Yeah. Just, you know, let us go. Let us live our life. If we want experience, we want experience. And, you know, mm. yeah, it's a unique experience. As I told my girlfriend, why should we go to Greece? Why should we go to Italy? Why should we go to some countries? that everybody have already posted million pictures about, you know. I want to really go and experience the yeah. country that nobody or a lot of people haven't been there. I really want to experience this, like China, uh, North Korea, every other, you know, country that, you know, being in this lockdown of media and shading black yeah. colors, and you know, it's like, I want to really experience. 
Yeah, and the thing is actually, as right as you say, it's not only North Korea. I think yes. there are so many countries in the world which are to say unexplored, but like misperceived in some way, where people think it's often really black and white, but there's so much more to the story in the end. And one of the next destinations we want to do is Russia, right? Where we don't want to go to Moscow only because Moscow is one part of Russia, but we actually want to bring people to the countryside, visit a family, maybe even overnight with them, have a family dinner, because that's something you wouldn't do normally, even though that Russia is, itself is... Like, it's pretty easy to go to Moscow, for example, right? Buy a flight ticket and... I think even now you have seven-day free visa. but So that's not difficult. But the difficult thing is to really experience the country. And that's also what I like. Even though many people have been to Italy, for example, find a wine farm yard, drink the local wine. That's where you experience the country instead of going to Rome and take a picture of yeah one of the big monuments there. <laughs> yes. One of the things that, you know, one of my listeners also wanted to know, because if you have an experience, uh, if you have an opportunity to ask a person who actually been there, is about the political factors. Is politics somehow impacting the travel to North Korea? My own political opinion or... You know, generally the politics there and, yeah. you know, the general overall world politics. Um, have yeah, that kind of yeah. impacted the, the traveling to and outside yeah. from that place? Right now, because of political issues, Americans cannot enter the country, actually. And political issues also does that there comes a story about what happened in the country, which make people either more or less afraid of traveling there, or they expect to see something because they have heard this because of political issues, right? So that's the thing when we work with North Korea. There are so many political conflicts, which makes you hear about the country a lot. And therefore, people have this perception of traveling there. What we try to do is not to be political. Like, actually, on our latest tours, I had like one on each of the latest three tours asking me my political opinion. And I really try to not tell it because that's like, it doesn't matter what the political opinion is or what the political situation is because people still live there. And then we try to actually keep a distance to the political field of North Korea, even though it's such an important topic, actually, also. But that's the part which is already being explored. I think so. I think so too. While we are talking about these political factors, I kind of also think that you maybe part of the obstacles and you know maybe the part of the uh, above borders obstacles. Mm. So therefore, I want to ask you, what are your biggest obstacles in your startup? Yeah, definitely. When in general, when we want to have a new destination, because we need to know about the country first. So how do you know about a country which is super isolated? <laughs> uh, so when we we had our first Turkmenistan tour one month ago now, I think, but me and my partner Gustav, we uh, in February went to uh, Turkmenistan, just me and him on a research tour. Then we met local people, learned about the country. But before we did that, like six months before that tour, we actually contacted someone there and didn't get a reply for two months. Then suddenly we got a reply, and then again, no reply for two months. So the obstacle is learning about new destination and creating these local partnerships, which makes it possible to actually learn about the country, just like even more, even further. But that has also proved to be really valuable because on the last tour we had, like one month ago, we ended up visiting a school, which they actually said no tourist did before, because that's not a thing. And we also like had local guides there which knew us and then they could be like hey Gustav because he has been there before nice to see you again how are you please uh, like what do you want us to tell to your guests right 
Then there are also like more specific complications or like challenges, obstacles, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, when we have a new type of tour. So for example, the bike tour we had last week in North Korea, they don't have bikes, mountain bikes, which tourists can use outside Pyongyang. So therefore we needed to get 20 bikes from China to North Korea. And then the obstacle is like, no one did this before. So how do we do it? There's no Google answer to it, right? Like, how do I make a new company? How do I get my company registration number, right? You, these standard things you can Google your way out to, but how do I get 20 bikes into North Korea? That was an obstacle. And we also wanted 20 helmets, but they disappeared in like somewhere between China and North Korea. To yeah. to I totally will agree with you. I mean, <laughs> before I was coming here, I thought about the obstacles, mm. you know, taking in consideration this isolation from, you know, outside world, that one of the obstacles could be the communication with outside world. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you just approved it. Another thing is also that then when we, because as a travel company, every travel company, they want volume as fast as possible because that's where you, we can actually meet use, expectations. Yeah, meet expectations. But also if we have a group with only four people, we, we made four sales basically, but we will still lose money if we arrange the tour. But if we had eight sales, we would earn profit. Decent, yeah, profit. So the thing is that we fast want to go from five to 15 people in the group. So we have this uh, capacity. But first of all, not everyone knows that you can travel to North Korea. A lot of people don't even have heard about the country Turkmenistan. If they have, maybe they think it's scary or like dangerous to travel there. And then third thing is, after we convince them that you can go, it's safe, then we need to convince them to travel with us. So that's really an, an obstacle where one who participated on the last tour, she contacted me actually the first time two years ago. And she was like, interesting what you do now with North Korea 360. Mm, I don't know, sure, maybe this tour, but can you maybe do a more interesting blah, blah, blah. So the customer journey can also be really long. And when you have a new company, you don't want the customer journey to be long because you want people to sign up fast. Yes. That's, yeah. So please help us spread the message, right? The personal stories. That's why I'm here, Jonas. That's <laughs> thank you, why I'm thank here. you. And now, you know, I wanted to tap into the future of About Borders, yeah. you know, because I was scrolling through your networks, uh, LinkedIn, your page and everything. And I, on an overall scale, I saw that, you know, you are also in the future thinking about something else, but I wasn't really sure. So therefore, you know, since I have an option to ask you, what are the other countries that you are planning to open for yeah. the world? Very well phrased. Um, next year, very specific is Russia and Saudi Arabia. Russia, because I was there in February. And uh, when I was young, my grandmother, she had um, children from orphanage homes in Russia living at her house every summer for, well, my grandmother and grandfather did in their house for 10 years. Some of them came frequently and they were my age. So every summer we just played football because, of course, being eight years old, I couldn't speak Russian and they couldn't speak any English. And so we just played football. But they are actually grown-ups now. So I ended up visiting them on the countryside of Russia and they can show what their life is. So we ended up partnering up with a girl called Adil, who will be the tour leader to the Russian tours because she was born in Russia and lived in Denmark for the last 20 years. No, more. Since she was three years old. I don't know exactly how old she is now, actually. <laughs> anyway, she will be the tour leader there. And she, that combination with knowing locals, and she also has family there, will really help us to show you Russia, not just Moscow. We'll also spend a few days there because the difference is in the city life and the countryside, that's also what's important to explore. You cannot just see the countryside and think, okay, this is all Russia. Then Saudi Arabia, because they just two weeks ago opened up for a tourist visa, but actually Gustav, a partner in the company, 
he uh, was there half a year ago. Uh, so we already know about the country, and hopefully we can. One thing is being the first, but actually we also know, like he knows a lot more about Saudi Arabia than I do. So that can be really interesting. Then I'm also talking about uh, we have talked about like Syria, Iran, but one destination at a time. Bhutan also. I don't know why I can forget this. Bhutan, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Supposedly I've never been there, but the country when they have tourist visiting, they ensure they follow like with guides stuff like this. Like when you were in North Korea, but not because of political issues, but because they want to protect the nature and they like plastic is forbidden in the country. It's so far from what we experienced and then hopefully you can see some really beautiful things but that is also a really expensive tour so yeah i have never even heard about a country called bhutan no but you like ever ever in my life you should like heard, go go look heard for it, about like, every other country yeah. that you just mentioned except bhutan but yeah. that's also so cool elvis because we're doing this like since my first tour to north korea and saying maybe we want to add other destinations every time i meet a new person he's, he has a suggestion for me so i'm like That's a cool country. That's a cool country, right? There's so many and experience yeah. worlds that you we don't know yet exactly. about. You know, recently I think in um, Croatia or something yeah. they discovered the third pyramid. I think you read about it, maybe. Yes, there in Europe yeah. there's a pyramid being hidden under trees and yeah. grass and everything. There is a pyramid in Europe. Fuck. Third pyramid. Yeah. I recently read about it, and I was like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Pyramid in Europe? I know two pyramids in, in Egypt, never yeah. seen myself. It's a unique, I don't know, world miracle yeah. how they even built it. And yeah. it's still a secret, you yeah. know? There yeah, are, how come people yeah. didn't find it before? Yes, yes. And now it's the third pyramid. It's like, what? Yeah. Then also, like, imagine what, what else can be in the world, right? If we haven't found that pyramid. Yes. I, yes. I, I haven't heard about it, man. I will go right. find out yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as we're done with this. Third pyramid in Europe. Oh, still don't remember the country, but you know it was somewhere there. Yeah, which also proves that you don't even have to travel to the other side of the planet, right? Like, no, you know it's it's every country has some uniqueness mm. that we don't know yet about, you know, yeah. and and there are, I, I believe there are still a lot of secrets that we don't know yet about yeah. that has to be ducked on. Yeah. yeah, that's why life and the world is so interesting, and we have to care about it, you know, because totally if we're gonna stop caring as we lately have. A lot of people, yeah. then you know, it's gonna just, poof. yeah. Then it's gonna disappear, or there's going to be a McDonald's on every corner, right? Yes. And yes. Not because I don't like McDonald's, I cannot. I have to say I do, but local culture also. We agree on this one. Yes, we do. Really. Yeah, I want to say that also protecting the world because when we started about borders, I didn't really, to be honest, it was not such. A concern for me that we were flying across uh, the continent or like across the planet so many times a year, but because we actually now uh, I have learned in this process that of course we have a responsibility to protect this, right? We cannot just be um, careless. Uh, one thing is making an impact, but also protecting what what we already have. That's why I'm actually really proud of that how we formulated this vision of about borders. One thing is that we communicate, meet local people. But concrete actions, we also carbon compensate for every one of our travelers. Of course, it would be better not to fly, but then like we cannot, then you cannot travel anywhere basically, or well, not far away. So therefore, we did this as a like compensation for our travelers, and I think that is so important. Thinking that you can actually find an alternative and still protect, like do what you want more or less, but just have in mind that you can do 
other things also to then benefit instead. Uh, yeah, it's a bit hard to formulate for me, but you know what I mean. I think. I, I, no, I Hopefully the mean. listener will also understand. I definitely know that. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to explain because, you know, you have, you have so much experience and you have so much seen and you, and you want to share with the world. And it's like, how do I really share it so a human understands it? Yeah. I mean, we are all humans, but our understanding is a bit different. And then you're like, I want to share it. Yeah. And I totally, you know, admire this, you know, courage and really dedication to kind of share this vision. And it has to be about every other country, as, 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 also as Russia. Yeah. Because myself... I have roots in Russia, I have roots in Ukraine, yeah. born and raised in Latvia, I'm a mix of this one, and I also have heard a lot about it because we've been occupied by Soviet Union and yeah. with Russians and everything, and a lot of other countries. Russia is really a country that you have to explore and has full of secrets. Yeah. It's not only Moscow, St. Petersburg, and, you know, the party news. party, you know, Russian women and men and vodka. <laughs> it has a lot of more secrets. Yeah. And real life has to be explored also in Russia. Yeah. Now moving on, and since you know we could sp- we could speak Jonas with you about this for a long, a long, yeah, long time. Just, like, don't get me started, right? Yes, this. don't get you started, right? <laughs> I because when I was reading, seriously, I, I was really into reading what you're writing, and I totally again I tell to listeners who is listening right now to definitely go on Jonas Bang Anderson's LinkedIn profile and. <laughs> Just start reading. You're going to see the world and experience and see the North Korea and every other place you have been in a different way. But as you've been an entrepreneur, mm. you also have things that you can suggest to other entrepreneurs. True. Or the people who want to go in this entrepreneurship. Or as uh, we spoke with Martin Trane, get sick with entrepreneurial flu. We all get, yeah. right, in some point. Therefore, what are the main key activities that w- you would recommend to other entrepreneurs yeah. to invest maybe their time in or maybe some recommendations to enjoy the journey? Yeah, going back to like the key value, have fun while you do what you do. Because if you have fun, then you're fine working 15 hours a day. Because if it's, you're fine having fun for 15 hours a day, basically. And then if you don't know yet what you want to do, like if you haven't started your entrepreneurial journey, prepare for it because I hadn't. What I did, I was working in the bank, quit my job and thought, we'll be fine. We probably have like 50 people joining in the next tour anyway, so I don't need like money or I don't need blah, blah, blah. I don't need to learn this skill because everything is fine, right? But have some savings, start learning some basic skills of whatever within the field. I never studied tourism, right? probably would have been a good idea for me just to learn a bit about tourism before joining or starting a travel company. But I would also say, when you have found your idea, don't wait like, oh, but I need to learn this before I'm starting. Just just start, right? Because you'll learn, you'll also find out what works or what doesn't work. A lot of people are talking about like testing, which I really think like, if you can sell a thing to one person, which is not your mother, of course, she's also more than welcome to buy. She actually joined one of our tours, also my mother. So anyway, my point was, if you can sell to someone that you don't know in advance, then you have proof that there is something you can sell. And then just do more of that, what you did onto that. The point is that if you just have a theory, you cannot know if it's a good idea, and then you can forever have an, a theory in your mind. So as soon as you uh, have an idea, just start, try, do something. Don't just sit and wait. I, I totally agree with you on the the first and the last part. 
I'm not sure really about preparation because myself personally, I mean, okay, I'm an individual person, you know. Mm. I didn't prepare. I mean, I read about a lot about it. I've been in startups. I experienced how it's actually been yeah. startup. But the reason, as I also have mentioned in other episodes before, the reason why I started this is because I saw this one that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of startup founders, they struggle with some things. Yeah, yeah. And I, as a curious person, I'm curious to find out what is this that they struggle with. Yeah. And now while I'm here, I'm learning along the way. I have uh, education in marketing management. I have education in tourism. I have mm. studied graphic design, a self-learning process because of the beautiful weather that, you know, Denmark provides <laughs> in autumn. You know, and I kind of believe that internet has a lot of learn to think and learn. That was the reason how I started because I wanted to experience, you know, yeah. and I want to learn from other entrepreneurs, you Definitely. know. It's not because I want to kind of like, hey, you know, I'm going to charge you for this podcast, you know, I'm going to do this thing. Mm. I don't care about it, really. Nope. But in terms of preparation, as I told you, I thought for a long time that I maybe wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? I, at least I want to have some responsibility for a team. If I knew that for such a long time, I should have saved up some money so that I could go the first year without getting salary. Because I had a long time where I was paid very well. I even got issue from the government and salary from the bank. And uh, my mom, she bought me dinner every night, right? So I did not have any expenses, but all my money I spent on like the newest iPhone or uh, taking the subway because all these luxurious things, which I could afford because I had a job. But in preparation would have been just much better if I saved up to whatever was going to happen. And one thing is money, but another thing is if I know I want to sell something, learn how to marketing. You, like you said, you already studied graphic design, and which is also a preparation for it, right? I studied finance, which also is helping a lot now, having a business. But in those years, I was not careless, right? I actually focused on my education so that I learned some skills which I could use for something yet undefined. So in the years before being an entrepreneur, also make an effort there, even though it's not your own business yet, right? That's what I mean in preparation. But as you say yourself, when you have and don't wait for it, right? Like that's I think clearing out the point, maybe. <laughs> it does. It does, Jonas. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, but I totally agree with you. You know, I was also careless, but you know, I also was, you know, because I came from a country that didn't pay me so much to country that pays me a lot in mm. that time, and that was like, whoa! I want everything. I want newest iPhones, and I want this one. And now I don't have an iPhone. I don't have, you know. But you know, you learn a way, and you know all that kind of stuff. But. Yeah. We we are going away from the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, As always, like when you start talking, right? Yes. You know, I really enjoyed talking to you, Jonas. Thank you. And I could ask you, ask you a million and million questions about this, and we could have a cup of coffee and talk about North Korea and every other mm-hmm. country. Sometimes when I went in tourism, I really thought, like, why I didn't continue? Because there are so much things that I would like to explore. Yeah. But I didn't, you know. You choose the wrong path sometimes in life, and, you know, you go along with what you have, and then you tap, you know, yeah. adapt to the situation. Well, that could actually be another then advice, because even though you started moving one way, it's not because you can never... Go back. Go back or go opposite. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because even though you might want to do some tourism later, if you want to have passion for that, but you have been working on the podcast, you would still like be able to combine this in some way. I like. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. I mean, I'm still young, yeah. so I still have time. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I wanted to come before we move into last yeah. thing where you, we put the cherry on the top, as I say it all <laughs> the time. 
I wanted to recap the things that we've been speaking about. And sure. maybe we also went a little longer than expected, but I wanted to have it longer. So, listener, I'm sorry for keeping you longer <laughs> to listen to this episode, but I hope you can also enjoy reading the things. And I definitely know that you will. So, what do we know about Jonas? He's from Thune, played badminton, and uh, then lived in Germany. Lived in North Korea a little. South Korea. South Korea, yeah. And then came back to Denmark. One thing that Jonas said, that money is not everything. It has some impact, but if you are in, the, in a startup environment, if you're an entrepreneur, enjoy the process. One of the reasons why uh, Jonas became an entrepreneur, as you mentioned, is to make an impact. Not only that, but one thing that really stood out of this is to make an impact. And I, I think that you're really doing this. If and you should go to North Korea, definitely contact Above Borders. And the trip that Jonas personally suggested to me was bike tour. Because it really shows some of the greatest places that North Korea has to offer and show. Like nature, mountains and a lot of other things. Some of the obstacles that I already knew before I was coming and visiting you, Jonas, was the communication with the outside world. And you know, when you're building the business in a world that's kind of isolated from the outside world, it gets, you know, as you mentioned before, some obstacles. And you came from finance background, moved into tourism, challenge yourself, learn new things, and you're really doing great, as I mentioned before. For the future plans of Above Borders, they are thinking to open more countries, so stay tuned definitely for Above Borders, check on the pages. So one of the countries that's close to my heart myself is Russia, and another country, Saudi Arabia, and a lot of other places. There are places that you have to explore, listener, and the world is full of secrets that we still don't know. That makes our life so interesting. But now, Jonas, I would like to know, as I already know, love, where to find you, but also the listeners. Yeah. How, where they can connect to you yeah. and Above Borders. Share, please. Yeah, I will gladly share that. I try to be on the famous social media uh, LinkedIn, where my name is Jonas Bang Andersen. Uh, you can follow Above Borders at aboveborders.dk. We also have, like, or.net, if you are English-speaking, we'll ensure to translate more, where you can read some of our blog stories. We also have a quite cool Instagram page, I would say, which is called Above Borders, where you can see some pictures and read some connected stories. And on Facebook, my name is Jonas Bang Anderson, but you can also follow Above Borders on Above Borders Facebook's page, right? So you're welcome to both contact me, Above Borders, anywhere. Our company LinkedIn profile is still to be re-specified, like, but... My LinkedIn profile, there are some stories. You are in the process. <laughs> in the process, yes, yes. Which we love. So you should find me, I think. I will definitely make sure that people find you. When I'll Thank post you. the episodes, I will include the links and you're gonna... Somebody will reach you and somebody will contact you. That's what I do, Jonas, <laughs> here. Awesome. So, listener, I think that you definitely have enjoyed. And if you want to travel to the world's most isolated countries from a and see them from a whole new angle and most importantly have the life experience that you will never forget, reach out to Jonas Bang Anderson or Above Borders 
And also definitely go in um, Jonas LinkedIn page where he have shared multiple posts and have written about his experiences and learned from the trips that, as I mentioned before, is our book worthy or audio version worthy. So one or another. How was your experience, by the way? I didn't ask you. It's awesome. Like, I'm really having a lot of fun. And uh, I also have one thing before we end, actually, Elvis, the surprise. So I don't know if you read, but I asked someone to get a gift for you, right? What they suggested. Perfect. But I brought a postcard directly from North Korea. Thanks. And the translation, yeah, you cannot see the picture, of course, because it sounds, but it says work harder and work faster because that's a slogan they have in North Korea. So for you. And... uh, other than that, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was my first time uh, speaking in English podcast. So sorry for the Danish accent. Which no, no, it's fine. <laughs> you, yeah. you are good. You are good. And your story is amazing. But it has been fun. A lot of fun. Thank you very much. So I will say goodbye to you today. And I'll say goodbye to the listeners. And thank you, Jonas, for joining me this and sharing your amazing story. My pleasure. I guess that will be all. I'm just shocked. <laughs> so... Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.